You are listening to the Unlock Your Sound podcast. Feel free to join the discussion over at the Unlock Your Sound Facebook group. Facebook.com slash groups slash Unlock Your Sound. Hello and welcome to the Unlock Your Sound podcast with myself, Christopher Cavallio, and I'm joined um, by my co-host, Chris Pavey. Chris? How you doing? Not bad. And again, today we have Nicholas Lorenzo from Melbourne. Um, he was in our last episode, but we wanted to have him on again. How are you doing, Nick? Doing very well this morning. And you guys? Not bad this evening. Not bad at all. Lovely. Um, so we wanted to have Nick on again uh, um, because we want to talk about um, how artists should go about investing in themselves in their craft and in their business. And we thought Nick would be a great uh, contributor to that discussion. So, Absolutely. Um, um, so Nick, um, obviously you, you work with a lot of people, artists and labels and stuff like that. Um, what would you say is like a common pitfall that artists have when it comes to investing in themselves? And that might be not just not just like a um, practical pitfall but like a sort of mindset pitfall that they that they go through at first i think it's both practical and mindset this pitfall it's it's when people invest in themselves or don't invest in themselves out of fear so 100%. they put money on the table because they fear that if they don't spend money on getting a certain mixing engineer or getting certain photography or having certain social media posts or things ready or ads, if they don't spend that money, that they're not going to move in a certain space. And in the same respect, they might not spend the money out of the fear that, you know, that that they're they're trying to be a bit frugal or I don't know if that's the correct term, but they're just trying to be a little bit more restrained with their spending because they're scared they might not see a return so they don't spend anything at all. So it goes both ways. One, for the sake of spending it in the hope that, hey, you know, I need to do that because they've heard it somewhere. Um, or I sh- don't know whether I should do that, so I'm not going to do that just in case it doesn't work out. So it, there's two sort of flip sides, and that, 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 that fear goes into the actual practice of how people invest in themselves, which can um, make or break them, if that makes sense. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, you, I think you got to watch yourself when you are making a decision based on fear, right? On either side. So if it's like making a decision um, based on you know, like desperation or fear, like some people make um, one. One thing that I'm seeing quite commonly actually is some people. Are investing uh, when I say investing on in this case I'm not actually going to use the word investing I'm gonna say spending and mm. they're gonna they're spending money um, on things out of fear slash desperation so for example um, they are just chucking money at Facebook and Instagram yeah chucking yeah. chucking at it um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't invest in paid advertising. You should do if you know what you're doing and if you know what you're trying to achieve. But if you're doing it because you just checked out your your uh, your friends or your peers' Spotify thing, uh, Spotify profile, and they've got you know a thousand more plays than you, and you use that as a kind of like arbitrary uh, uh, arbitrary metric to measure yourself against, and then you just like spend. $50 against um, on Instagram to kind of get those numbers up. You know, that's a fear slash desperation slash like insecure kind of like move, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think it's interesting. It's the language you're, you're both using. That is the word investment for me is, is something where you, you, you spend something to get something back. Whereas if you're just spending money, as you said, people just buying stuff, because essentially what, what you're doing out of yeah. fear, that's not an investment. An investment should be something that you do that's yeah. going to get a return from that. Also, like, people just assume that if they put a dollar in, they're going to get a yes. dollar yeah. plus more back, and that's just not necessarily true. 
Like it's you can easily spend a dollar on something that will get you zero back, short term and long term. This is a question for both of you about the because I I think I know both your answers, but it'd be great for you to say on the podcast is how you feel about the social media advertising and how and the way that money's used in that. Because I know Chris, you said before, people have this mindset of, oh, I put in a hundred dollars into Facebook advertising that should give me a hundred dollars plus back work or sales mm. or mm. I, I wondered if you two have any any points you'd like to make on that nick yeah it's, the whole landscape's changed in terms of advertising um in terms of facebook and instagram advertising the way it is now i'm completely out of touch with it because the way I see it is that these platforms shift, change, move the target too often and too regularly to create anything perennial on those platforms. So Mm -hmm. my focus is much more on my face-to-face or customer-to-customer relationships and building that either through newsletters or through picking up a phone or sending somebody an email and keeping in contact with my contacts. I find mm-hmm. that's something that, that out, will outlive and outlast any social media platform. Mm. I will say that there, there was a period and gap maybe three or four years ago where I was using Facebook ads and you could use them to make back much more than a dollar per click mm. because one, they were super cheap, two, they reached really easily and three because the market hadn't been abused by them yet, people were very receptive to good value on there. Whereas now, if you scroll through your feed, every fifth every fifth um, post is, is an advertisement of some, you know, 25-year-old who's made $40,000 in a month and he's trying to sell you some product. Um, so <laughs> it's not pe- just me who yeah. gets those then. Yeah. Right? So, so people, people aren't... <laughs> aren't receptive to them anymore, I don't believe. Yeah, and yeah. if you're trying to create something that will, as an artist, as a, as a career, as an artist, as good as it is to have short-term gains, you want to be building a long-term career. And, you know, if let's say you started your career at 20 years ago and you were using social media of the day and you were on MySpace or whatever it was back then, um, you wouldn't have created anything perennial because look where MySpace is now. And look where Facebook mm. is going and Instagram is going with their reach and and you can you can quickly see that you have to create something that's that's greater than just somebody clicking on an ad. You need to create something that's that's valuable that will last the next fifteen, twenty years of your life. Mm. Yeah. I mean that's that quite I think for me that quite neatly moves into the next piece, which is I think like what people think they're investing in, but the when when I think People think they're investing in this, what I'm about to say, when they're spending dollars with with Facebook, but they're actually not. They're just spending money with Facebook. And and that is like their brand, Mm. right? So um, for an artist, Nick, like what is a good example of an artist investing in their brand? Um, In their, for me personally, and I know this might be a bit biased because I'm in the production process, Mm -hmm. but investing in your product and investing mm-hmm. in your audience, not necessarily to spend money to gain an audience, but to provide value for that audience. So yeah. if you've got a release coming out and you know you're going to be playing, let's say, because uh, I'm in a show, I'll say, you know you're going to be playing in Melbourne, okay? Mm-hmm. So hook up with some radio stations that are local to Melbourne, do a premiere on those stations with an audience that is appropriate for that music. You know, that's where you provide value because you're going straight to the audience. You're giving, you, 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 you get what I'm saying here? What, what I'm trying to yeah. align here, you know, have a release. If you've got a release, are you doing a show? Is that show in the locale that has that audience that has that, in, that will, that, that will continue to lead you on to further and further growing yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a smart move and, you know, that can cost a bit of money because to do a live show isn't cheap and, you know, that takes effort and time and, you know, you need to get stuff designed and you've got to manage, you've got to have a sound guy and you've got to have, um, you've got to set the lineup up and you've got to pay the acts and you've got to figure mm-hmm. out your door fee and manage all that and that's a lot of effort and that's where I think you can invest time as an artist going, okay, even if I get 50 people through the door, you know, those are 50 people that are giving me undivided attention for an evening to engage in my stuff 
and put money on the table to actually listen to my music. And I'd rather have 50 people there than 10,000 streams on Spotify from people that, you know, are going to listen to it maybe once or twice because they click through an ad or something mm-hmm. and then never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really good point. And that goes to what you always say, Chris, about investing in your fans Mm-hmm. As in your actual fans, not getting as as a, a thousand plays or ten thousand plays, getting mm. a group of people that are going to turn up to every one of your gigs, because mm-hmm. because that's more that is the value you are getting from your money. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and and it, and they're the people who are going to buy your shit as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Depth, depth over width. Mm. Um, yeah, no, no, that's a good point. So what's um and what would be an example, Nick, of like an artist on a sort of more deeper level, uh, investing in themselves, like on a personal level? On a personal level? I I think yeah. a a direct specific example would be very difficult, but in in terms of that that every artist is very different and they all have mm-hmm. very different um, strong points and weak points. My thing, and mm-hmm. I think I said this in the last podcast, would be as an artist, you should try yourself to do everything and understand everything and all aspects and facets of your career. And that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you'll be proficient and professional and efficient in every aspect of them. So that means mm-hmm. if you're an artist, you know, run your own PR campaigns, try and mix your own records, try and record yourself, you know, try and do everything and get yourself across all of it, you know, do your own yeah. social media, do your own press kits, do your own designs, whatever, you know, do everything. And then, and then at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to notice that some things you're going to be really strong at and you can continue to do yourself. And then mm-hmm. some aspects of it, you're going to fall short. And those things that you fall short on is where you start to invest either in yourself or in others to help you bring those aspects of your career forward. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's much more an act of self-awareness and then identifying where you fall short and where you are strong so that way you can capitalize on your strengths and then also invest in your weaknesses. Yeah, I mean like what amazes me sometimes is um like you're you're completely right about all of that. Um you know and to to actually give like a more direct example would be to like you know buy a book. Okay. You know yeah. like the the amount of times the amount of times um like I might be speaking to an artist or something like that and, you know, they're trying to figure it out and, and whatever. And then we get into a conversation um, and I'm like, okay, cool. But have you set this up? And they're like, what's that? You know? Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, right. Okay. You got to know this. Like, yeah. you know, and, and all of this stuff that you need to know is like one or two books away, you know, mm. like music is a business. It's an industry mm. and it has its nuance. You know, it has many, um, you know, uh, it's a mesh of, of different things, you know, and it's it's imperative that you, you, know, you don't have to learn, you don't have to be an expert in everything, you know, like you said, Nick, like, but you do have to be at least aware of things, mm. you know, so that you know, so that at least you know um, what you need to check up on. And what you need to make sure you got sorted, you know. You can also choose what you can also hone in on what your where your money or time is best served. Because yeah. again, we, we've been talking a lot about money as investment, but also time is can be equally as valuable investment. Yeah, as you said, how many artists just spend an evening googling all this stuff? Yeah, because essentially that's what everyone else has done. Uh, we, we always say people are not always smarter than you. These people just may have just spent more time figuring this stuff out yeah or googling um, it <laughs> and and yeah, exactly yeah, but if you're but if you're a singer songwriter and you've never thought about sync or copyright or yeah. i mean yeah you may be the greatest songwriter and you invest all your time learning your, your guitar and you can play amazing guitar parts but none of that's none of that's useful mm. when you realize you've left so much money on the table for that or you've been screwed out of something by a dodgy contract that you signed or mm. you never bothered to read it or get or invest or pay for someone to look over it for you or pay mm. for a manager or mm. all those things. Yeah. So do you guys have anything to input on that? You know, I mean, for me, it's just, look, if you want to be, 
you know, if you want to be successful in the music business, you got to know what that business is, what that mm. industry is, what it, what it looks like. Like I'm always figuring this stuff out and I'm always learning it, but I'm always learning it. You know, I'm always um, reading this stuff. I'm always ingesting new content. I'm always um, keeping up to date. And like, you know, because I have to, I have to, but, and, but also sometimes because I find myself having to fill these gaps for people, you know, and be like, yeah. okay, cool. Well, um, you know, have you thought about this? And they're like, uh, no, I didn't know that existed. And I'm like, cool. Well, you do now, but like, there's also a ton of stuff that I don't know exists, mm. you know? Um, and I mean, to give a practical example, like it's actually ridiculous the amount of money that's actually tied in the system, like unclaimed royalties, all of these things. Like it's oh, yeah. insane. Mm. It is insane. Like, it is absolutely madness. Um, and there's actually windows of time in which a lot of these things can be claimed. Like they don't just, um, you know, stay uh, stay in the system forever. Like there is generally a window of time in which they can be claimed. And it's ridiculous, hmm. you know. Um, and a lot of it is because the industry has been disrupted and, um, you know, there's a lot of holes in the system. That's cool. But a lot of it is also just uh, negligence. It, it, it's a very fragmented, uh, fragmented place as well. So it, yeah. it, it's not easy for artists. But then again, nothing's very easy. It's just it's a time effort. It's not always money. Sometimes it's just yeah, figure it out. It's, it's very black and white to say that. But you can just say to some people sometimes, yeah, it is hard. Go figure it out. Go and spend some time doing this. Mm -hmm. It will be worth it in the long run. But mm -hmm. can you make people want to do that? Well, that's up to that's up to them if they want to be successful or not. Oh, yeah, you'll find. I, I think. I think also for people listening, you know, there, there's a very small percentage of artists that make it through, and that's not to dissuade anyone. It's just mm -hmm. to say that that small percentage that make it through are the small percentage that have played their cards right. You know, yeah. There are people yeah. with the fortune of great talent, and there are people with the fortune of great knowledge, and people with the fortune of you know, great fortune and, and, you know, sometimes one overrides the other and it's just how you play what you're dealt with. And if you're a very talented songwriter or a very talented, um, or very, very talented and have a good business acumen or very fortunate to have, um, financial resources to invest in yourself, you know, that doesn't necessarily give you a golden ticket into the industry. You know, I've seen people, I'm not going to start saying sums because it might start scaring some people, but I've seen people spend very handsome sums on a single just in the production, recording, the video clips and everything else and then not see mm. any return from it. And you sort of look at the, the pool of money that goes into it and you go, why did you spend all that money in these places when you could have done this, yeah, that, yeah. the other? And in the same respect, we see artists with great songwriting talent and great productions, and it's like they just throw it up on SoundCloud and call it a yeah. day. And then yeah. the same respect, you know, you see you see people yeah. with great business acumen and they're, they're really smart and they're very witty, but they've got nothing of a product to give people. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, let me... I'm gonna I'm gonna um, throw in another example there actually, um, and this is something that I'm I get a little bit upset about because um, you know not upset for myself but upset for other people like um, so you say for example um, people spend loads of money on um, on a single and then nothing happens to it um, hit like there are examples sometimes where they actually pay a bigger price their money and sometimes that price is their assets their music and they uh they give it away to um like a company who promises the world and then you know what i mean like nothing really happens yeah. and in some ways that's worse than spending money because mm. that's their that is their asset yeah it's the their intellectual music. property yeah exactly yeah. and and sometimes that's worse you know like you know and but a lot of artists, especially when they, um, you know, when these people promise the world and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah, we'll give you an advance and this is the cut and blah, blah, blah and um, whatever. They, the artist doesn't realise what they're giving away. So they, for them, it all seems nice and, 
sounds like free money to them. But then further down the line, it's just like, oh, right, okay, well. Is that partly because there's because there's no baseline level? Like there is no set amount of going, oh, if you're this kind of artist at this, at this level, your advance is 10,000. If you're at this level, your advance is 100,000. Is it because there's no metric? No, it's, it's because... It's, it, 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 what I'm trying to say is that if it's any free money, that artist goes, brilliant, that's money I haven't got to invest in my product. It's because but they don't know the how to... Of, yeah. Sorry, it's because they don't know how to value themselves in their IP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the point. I, and, the point and, I was going to is it's they don't. It, it's free money for them, but it's irrelevant free money because they don't. Own, they only think it's free because they don't appreciate what they exactly. what cost yeah. they are paying. You know, mm. and um, that is the ultimate cost is their music, mm. um, and that's it. Um, but also, uh, even if it's just one single or one album it doesn't belong to you anymore you know that's it and and all of the all of the value that the company or whatever the the record label i'm not i don't have an absolute stance on anything like in my my uh like a mentor once told me he was like don't say no to a um a good deal and don't say yes to a bad deal right so i'm not saying that record companies are this or that right it's all of this is case by case right but you know if if you've got an album's worth of music and you sign it away to someone who promises you the world and then nothing happens, that's gone. Mm. You know, it's gone, that that stuff. Like, obviously, you can write more and, you know, professional artists and stuff like that, they know they can write more and they know they're going to write another one and it's going to be fine. But they still got to write it and it's still their IP that they let go of, you know. And that's and that's and that is way more personal than than money. Like, you know, if... You know, the next ten grand that you make or whatever is is just another ten grand. But like those songs, you won't make those ones again. You know, true. They're not a commodity like money is. Yeah, it's interesting. I think all artists are sort of in different positions on that. Only because, yeah. only because, let's say those those songs are, are the songs which are going to do something special for you in your career. Well then, yeah, you don't really want to sign them away. But let's say those songs are something that you've shelved and don't really fit with where you're going. That money you make on the upfront of putting them back to the to the label, you know that that advance you can invest in in actually developing yourself. So it, it, it's sort of a matter of perspective. I don't think it's all that bad. I, I will say though, contracts have KPIs in them. Get them read over by. A solicitor or a lawyer, mm. a media yeah. arts lawyer, um, simply because the shit I see in contracts is, is, is it, it just it's just cringeworthy. It's like because un- unless unless you sincerely believe that a particular label or a particular company have the resources to be spending, you know, to to, to be spending money to have their own solicitors and lawyers on retainers. Most of the time, they're fucking writing up their own contracts, or they're getting them from templates yeah. on websites, and yeah. they are atrocious. Mm. They are atrocious. They're the amount of times that people have sent me um, non-disclosure agreements, which are just templated or other shit, yeah. and and I've just went back to them and I go, no way, I'm signing this. Yeah, especially when it's another company. Yeah, I, 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 I've had one before where it's the, the 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 name changed halfway through. I was like, okay, so this isn't yeah. your own one. Yeah, dude. Sometimes they don't even exist. <laughs> like I've I've had contracts, dude. I've had contracts sent to me. Like people go, oh, can you look at this? I'm like, dude, this, these people don't even exist. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, it's a front. Like I look them up. I look them up. They don't even exist. Their emails. They don't even uh like. They don't even use their name in their emails. Yeah. No, I, like, like you know, and I'm like, dude, why aren't they even using their name? Why are they hiding? Like, what is this? Like, yeah. there, there, there is a actually there is a streaming platform that is, uh, in my personal experience, and I'm not even going to use names here, but like, there's a streaming platform that is prevalent for all of these uh, that it that has loads of these quote unquote mm. labels um, operating within it, and it's insane the stuff I've seen, but unfortunately. Um, Unfortunately, they they thought they they only thrive because 
because so many artists don't even know to do the do jitter uh, you know what I mean like it's I, sometimes I do something basic they're like oh how did you do that I'm like I looked them up on a company directory or I just yeah. did a, a little bit of googling and found that they don't exist or um, you know or sometimes the name you know doesn't check out or whatever you know what I mean like yeah. because um, you know and it, it amazes me how much people are amazed by that hmm something else as well if you're going to sign across your IP um, I know this is so I'm just sort of tangenting here a little bit but and this is and by no means have I got a law degree or anything but if you are going to sign across your IP to a record label or lock yourself in for another four songs with a particular deal or whatever um, aside from having it looked over a solicitor ahead in those conversations you know you should start talking about KPIs with them because if they're promising you the world, can they can they put that on paper? Mm-hmm. That's that's um that's sorry that's key performance indicators for yeah those who, correct yeah. yeah. And guess what? You don't have to sign shit. Yeah, exactly. Like just if, because someone yeah. is giving you something to sign doesn't mean you have to sign it. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's always your choice. It mm. is always your choice. And and the other thing is though as well as uh, and now we're sort of tangenting off into contracts, but that that's completely fine. Um, don't think of contracts as a bad thing. Yeah, sure. A really well written contract is to create parameters and boundaries within a relationship of two parties. Yeah, it should protect you. Yeah. It's, not not just you, it should protect even the person that you're signing your... All parties involved. All yeah. parties, exactly. It should protect all parties. It should give scope and parameters to that to, to the agreement. And it's, and, and it's not... And this is something, because I, I have contracts with my mixing clients. Um, because the way I operate, I operate in a bit of a, a, a large-scale sort of thing where it's not necessarily people send me stems, I mix and then move on. It's sort of like I have a team, I have vocal tuning, I have, you know, sample placement editing, all these sort of like people around me who work with me. So, you know, I'm handling somebody's intellectual property and I need to make sure I protect them as much as I protect myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, I present a contract and, and it's like I respect you guys enough to yes. put in writing our relationship and how our relationship will navigate. If you have anything, any queries, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome to get it checked out by a lawyer, whatever it might be. But I'm not putting it here because I'm trying to, you know, protect myself and stop myself from getting scrooged over over the fee. It's because I want this to be a successful project and I want us to all be on the same page. So mm-hmm. l- contracts can seem intimidating to some and seem enticing to others because they, they feel like they've made it when they get a contract and some people might feel scared because it's a little bit over their heads. But know that a good contract is is for the respect of all parties and the parameters of your relationship. Well, dude, the I mean, you know, wh- when we talk about contracts, we're talking about the documents that facilitate the exchange of copyright. And copyright, um, yeah. or, or the protection of, you know, or the protection of, um, and Copyright laws were literally built to protect people um, from just, uh, you know, having their copyright like being bought by people and being exploited, you know, disproportionately. You know, like that's literally why they are formed and why they are continuously updated. Um, You know, so anyway, I mean, yeah, obviously we've gone off on a tangent, but I think it was a a good good tangent. It was a good tangent, actually. um, yeah, no, I'm glad that I'm glad that we touched upon that and stuff like that, and that actually kind of like, kind of segues into like knowing all of the above and using the above as context. Then we can we can suggest that like it is a good idea for artists to invest in themselves and like um, invest in uh, invest in themselves in learning what a record company does and what a contract looks like, you know, and what to look out for, what stipulations are, you know, um, and stuff like that, because they'll be much better prepared um, when they do get those contracts and they'll be able to see through um, the crap, you know, when when it comes through to them. Um, and, yeah, and just basically have an understanding of, um, you know, what 
what value is being transacted when these um, contracts are signed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you have any more thoughts on that, Nick? On the contract side of things? Um, more, more on the invest, in, you know. On the investment, yeah. Like invest, I mean, what we've touched upon, what we've, what we've touched upon so far is like, uh, investing in the craft, like you, you, you were talking about investing in their products and stuff like that, and uh, some amazing examples. How, how about some more tangible things? Um, yeah. So just saying things like uh, the amount of artists you may don't have a website. Now, do you need a website? Do you, do you have, is your web presence just your social media? I mean, do you feel that every artist should have a central point that is the website, or should Instagram be their central point, or is it down to wherever your audience is? Yeah, well, f- well, for me, if 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 I'm thinking short term, or I'm just starting out, mm. social media like Facebook and Instagram are good starting points. But even if you have a website with just a landing page and an email yeah. form for a newsletter, that yeah. wins. That yeah. wins. Even if ten people, hundred percent. Even if 10 people visit that website a month and one of those people become on your newsletter, over five years you've got 60 people who are reading exactly what you're up to as opposed to, you know, maybe reaching 50 people in a post on social media amongst (laughs) a hundred or a few um, followers. And and the reason why I say that, I said this earlier in the podcast, is is creating something that's... great believer of creating something that, that outlasts or outlives yourself and creating something that's perennial. Um, mm. You know, it's easy to get instant gratification, but it's much more difficult to build something that will last a long time. And if you're starting out a career or an artist in your sort of formative stages, you, you want to create something that lasts beyond you. Um, yeah. Have a website. It doesn't have to be anything flashy. It can just be a picture of you, literally a picture and then go see what I'm up to, email yeah. address, submit, done. Yep. Yeah. And then that, that that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. Something that I'm sad about is I haven't kept up on my YouTube videos and I've got people messaging me, hey, when's your next series of YouTube stuff coming on? So, you know, it, it, I, I did the same sort of thing with my YouTube where I was, you know, trying to build up something through my newsletter where it, it would outlast me. These videos would be on that platform for years and years to come and I did that very purposefully not for instantly to get tens and thousands and go viral but to create some value that would outlive the actual moment itself and I think that's what artists have to look to do right now because everybody's grabbing attention all the time if you release a track today next week nobody gives a shit about it Mm -hmm. I I think you're right I think it's the uh, investing in the long term whereas everyone's focus is always that yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm releasing a track on Friday. Brilliant. So you got all these yeah. posts Friday, maybe Saturday, by Sunday. Yeah. Nothing. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. What's the What's the long term process? What's the Have you invested in that? Have you invested? Mm-hmm. I said the website, getting something bigger going, keeping the steam train rolling, sort of thing. Yeah. It's funny, man. Like the um the website thing. Like I see, I see uh, artists posting in Facebook groups like, "Oh, should I get a website?" I see that most other artists don't have websites. I'm like, "Well, that's exactly why you should have one." <laughs> yeah. Like that yeah, isn't why you yeah. shouldn't have one. That is why you should have one. Like, but it's you know, following, like, but it's following the it's following the crowd trend. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's, Go the oh, other what, way. What is that person doing? Yeah, exactly. Way, you know? but everyone's constantly going, "Oh, so and so just did that on Facebook." Oh, maybe I should do that on Facebook. And you're going, "Well." Mm. Why don't you try being the different person? Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, and there are some more. There are some technical advantages to like a website as well. It's like being Googleable. Like if yeah. you have a website against your artist name that's branded to your artist name, that is going to be as long as you've connected it to Google. Like that is going to be the first result on Google when someone Google's you. Yeah. You know, and if and then, but if you and but if if you only rely on Facebook and Instagram, you're at the mercy of Zuckerberg. That isn't <laughs> like your Facebook page and your Instagram page. They are not your assets. They are Facebook assets. We start going down the rabbit hole of web pages. Um, you also have the autonomy over information and representation yeah. on there, which is really nice. I recently. On the download, not really on the download if it's going on a podcast, but um, 
I can believe when I was in when I was in when I was in high school, I used to design web pages. So anyway, I'm at the moment. I'm trying to every month do one good deed, as in one. Uh, not that I'm a horrible fucking person, but I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do one deed out outside of my norm, if that makes sense. You know. Yeah. Not paid, nothing. Just, just, just trying to one one month. It was I because I'm a drummer. I rewrote some beats for a production client. You know, like I just okay. was like, dude, give me, give me a production. I'll write the beats for it. Um, and I sent it to him, and I'm like, yeah, that was my that was my thing for the month. That got me out of my comfort zone. That was different. That I did anyway. Last month, it was doing a website for one of my clients. Because I'm like, I've okay. done websites before. He's going into a PR campaign. He needs a website. And something I'm very, very uh, astute or in, in touch with is UX design, which is user experience mm-hmm. design. So mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we can make a web page very purposeful for what he needs it for. So what did he need it for? Well, he needed it for his PR campaign and to work with more labels for remixes. So... Who did we make the design for? We made it for supervisors and um, like music supervisors, A&Rs, music journalists, and media yeah. and whatnot. So we able to craft an experience in that website that when somebody visited it, they got the information that they needed. And that was our target audience for the website. And that was an artist website. Who And that website wasn't for the fans. It, it played another purpose for himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So cool. the, the idea of having a website means you have full autonomy over your information architecture, and I think that's um, that's incredibly valuable. You know, I'm redoing my website, and and it's 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 completely it's completely tailored to a different experience. And the whole idea of my my new UX is that it's um, information discovery. I made the mistake on my first website of putting all the information on the homepage. Like fucking everything about mixing, everything about mastering, everything. Yeah, like fucking, yeah, yeah. you scroll down, you have those cool parallax images and shit like that. It was just stupid. And now my new information architecture is like, okay, I have many different people who will visit this website. I need to make it a discovery process. So it sort of creates positioning statements, and then you opt into discovering that information depending on yeah. where you're positioned as an audience yeah. member. So I, I yeah. think websites are super strong and, you know, if you're an artist, you should certainly think about it, even if it's just for that newsletter, even if it's could, just to yeah. engage those fans, but, you know, definitely you have could, it. You could just, um, you know, like help an old lady across the road, Nick, man, like doing a, doing a, <laughs> doing a fucking website. <laughs> like, that's a lot of work for a good deed, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's just it's just something I want to just 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 to yeah, push myself out of dude, my out of my um, comfort zone. I think the other month I I went to when was it? I went to when I never go to clients' gigs because fucking I'd be going to gigs every I'd be going to three gigs <laughs> yeah. a fucking night. Um, I went to a client's gig. You know, it's just it's just something I'm I'm doing for myself, and that's maybe we can go talk about investment. It's an investment in myself. To, to, to break the routine, to to mm-hmm. to push the boundary, to to fucking get myself out of my box, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. which is which it quite literally is. My room is a fucking it's not it's not a small room, but it's a room, and yeah. it's I don't leave it unless I'm going to meetings, and even when I'm doing meetings, it's all business. So I'm trying to I'm trying to find something that breaks that cadence, and um, yeah. yeah, website was one, so that's why I thought. You know, it would be be good for people to recognise the importance and contextualise it, because um, you can't do that on social media. You know, mm-hmm. m- music supervisors who are on salaries who get in at n- nine and finish at five or whatever their hours are, don't have the fucking time to scroll through your newsfeed. No, they just mm-hmm. don't. No. They want to fucking see what they need to see, make a decision, and move on. Done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Low so, friction. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, that's that's great. I mean, do you have any more examples, or does anyone have any more examples of like how an artist could invest in themselves as a business, or or rather, I mean, like this is actually one thing. Um, what I actually find sometimes is that I need to remind artists that they are a business at all. You know, um, yes. that what they want actually means that they are a business. You know, um, and I have to remind of them, remind them of that sometimes, you know, like, um, because 
with our business hats on, we do have to make we have to make decisions on the side of our brain that is not the same side of our brain. I'm speaking figuratively and not literally necessarily, but like that isn't the same one that we use when we are writing music, you know? Yeah. Um, and when it comes to uh, investing in our businesses, like I think if anyone just goes, how to invest in your business, then people are going to go ads and like this yeah. and that, all of the normal sexy stuff. But for me, like investing to, let me give you an example of me investing in my business. So me investing in my business is making sure I've got money in the bank, you know? Like six months, ideally, something like that, of money in the bank, because that buys me time to work. Yeah. You know, that's that's real that's real talk. You know, that's real like business investment, you know. And if that means you gotta walk you got you gotta take you gotta do uh, dog walking or something like that on the side. You gotta do that, you know. Like, mm. and that's another thing. Like, that comes back comes back to the desperation and fear thing. Like, if you don't do that, if you don't create that security for yourself, you're gonna make more short term decisions based on fear and desperation that will actually be detrimental to your career. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's actually it's actually interesting. I, I think it's it's funny you say that because a lot of artists I think manage their finances poorly. Um, yeah, I, I I think you should have a separate account for all your artist stuff. That, that's like the simplest yeah, thing. Because that's do. your business, if, a business account, a business, a business account. account. Just have a business yeah. transaction yeah. account. If you want to get fancy, have a business transaction and a business equity account. Um, mm-hmm. I my advice would be, if you get paid on a job, um, you split your liabilities up straight away. So, mm-hmm. for some people, that could look like ten percent goes into business equity, so that that equity can be reinvested back into your mm-hmm. stuff. Like for, for whatever you need to spend money on, that's where it goes. Another twenty percent can go into your living costs, thirty percent away for tax. 20% away for retirement and the rest is just a buffer. Um, doesn't, I'm just making up figures there in terms of splits, but yeah, of course you should have some, accounts. That's, yeah. You should split every dollar that comes in. Cause this, this is, this is the typical thing that happens. They sell out a show. Let's say maybe a 150 person venue. They might make four or five grand for the night. Yeah. Next week. That four or five grand is when sailing somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's just, it's 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 out the window. It's it's, it's <laughs> gone. Like it's and it's like yeah. and well, no one even knows where it's gone. <laughs> I know. It's it, it no one even knows because no one like you can't. What's what do they say? You can't measure. You can't control. We can't manage what you don't measure or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Some, like you know. And if and if you just put that in security and spread that throughout, you know, you know your tax liability, your equity, your living expenses, and buffer and whatever. Then you'd be like, then you can actually see all of it, and then go, okay, I can't spend this because I need this for tax time. I can't spend this because this is what I've allocated to reinvest. I can spend this, and I can't spend that because that's living expenses. But I can spend this small portion, and then it makes you respect that money so much more. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, because people, because unless you're thinking as a business, you're thinking, oh, that's my money straight yeah. away. You should go, no, no, that's my business's money. I take some of that. For me, yeah. the rest of that stays in this metaphorical or physical, if you want to, like, if that's in that account, that's my money that I pay for my shopping and going out and doing things, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, when I was, uh, I used to be a duo DJ act back in uni, which is really what? cool. I know, I know. <laughs> did I know, not fucking, know that. Did not know that. Anyway, no. so, so with my partner. Video, please. With, no, no, no. With my partner, we... Um, I need content. We had an Excel spreadsheet with all of our gigs that we got, all of our payments we got, and we also put that in a separate bank account. We would, we wouldn't touch that money basically because you know we're fortunate enough to have part-time jobs, and we're like, no, this money is for building this up. You know, we bought our own DJ decks with it. We bought our own software and laptop and gear from that money we were making. And then because we had it all spreadsheeted out, we had a whole asset register. When we stopped it, we were able to split everything up, have a nice little payout to one another, and it was good. But that's because we kept track of every fucking cent. Um, And I think, you know, 
you have to, as an artist, just the, the littlest thing, the littlest thing that can make the most impact is just going to the bank and opening up a business account or a transaction account for your yeah. artist's work and only using the funds in there that you to, that you earn into that and that you spend from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Simple. And, and I completely 100% agree. I am an Excel nerd and my entire business is run, I have... I have a chart for everything. If you want to ask me a question about how much money one client made me on every single month over a five-year period, I could tell you. Now, do I need to know that? Maybe not. But if someone asked me if I wanted to find out a metric or if I wanted to find out, if I wanted to uh, forecast something, an artist needs to do that just as much as a business does. Yeah. Oh, like There there, there, there should be no difference at all in the mindset. Yeah. I mean, like, that's actually... That kind of like, dude, it amazes me how many people don't know how to use Excel. If you don't know how to use Excel, go and learn how to use Excel. Like it's, it's such like just knowing how it works and how to make spreadsheets. Oh, fuck man. I'm horrible at Excel though. Like we, we like, but the three of us know on, know like on a basic level at least how to use Excel. But you'd be surprised how many people don't know just who aren't at level that we are at. Like it's it like, and I actually feel for me, that's like, um, like that's a serious disadvantage that needs to be, um, eradicated quite yeah. soon. Like for anyone who's trying to make money, Excel the fuck up. And like, yeah, you but, know, so, so my thing would be set up a separate account. <laughs> what would, yeah. what would the, the other thing would be, um, setting up a separate account and when, when, it, and, and having an equity to invest in, because yeah. I'll be honest, yeah. Um, when I set this up, a lot of it was from money I was making freelancing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I did have to dig into my own pockets, but I measured exactly how much I was putting back in and how much yes. I had to pay myself back, um, yeah. which I did in no time. But, you know, I still knew that there was a certain exposure there that I had. Um mm-hmm. The problem with the discussion we're having right now is that a lot of the artists and a lot of the people listening are still in the stage of their career where they're online only and mm-hmm. and and this yeah. this is this is this is sort of a an issue in a few senses because yes you can do it online only but you have to be a little bit more witty about the way you diversify your income so at the moment you mm-hmm. might just be writing songs putting them on SoundCloud or Spotify sending them to your friends maybe trying to get on a few blogs whatever it may be you're not playing live at the moment and whatnot so you have to be a little bit more in tune or tuned on to to ways to to um have that cash flow come in to sustain mm-hmm. yourself to reinvest in yourself um something I I find I've got it in a sheet here I I, I sometimes forget it but there's different ways to diversify your income so I'm just going to go to my Notion spreadsheet because I, I have my ways all listed here. And if you're listening on, you're going to, I got a, I can't remember the name of the book it was from, but it was fucking, it's really worth, I'll have to find out the name of the book for you guys. Sorry guys, you can just cut this out of the That's podcast, all this fucking waiting standing. around. Um, <laughs> diversify revenue. Okay. So if you're an artist who's only online, only Sorry. online. You can diversify your revenue in six ways. I thought it was seven. Okay, six ways. So you can diversify your revenue by earning money for time. You can diversify your revenue by earning money per project. You can diversify revenue by earning revenue on a recurring basis. Diversify revenue, which you should already be doing via royalties. Diversify Mm -hmm. revenue by being transactional or getting cuts from making referrals. And then you can Mm -hmm. also make income from result-based acquisition. So I'll go through these a little bit. So time would be if you're an artist, you know, um, working by the hour for somebody as a backing vocalist. Okay. Yes. Going to the studio. Hey, you need backing vocals or Hey, you need vocals on your record time. I'm doing it by the hour. That's it. By the project, might be you're a really good songwriter. Somebody has to get a co-songwriter or a top line done. That is a project fee. Recurring mm-hmm. could be students. You're a great singer or you're a great guitarist or you're a great producer. 
Get some students in, whether it's short-term or long-term. It's a recurring fee, which will come in weekly or monthly. Royalties, cool. obviously putting your products out there and getting recurring sales in will earn you royalties or getting re- streams and whatnot. Transactional yep. would be, hey, you have a network, you're a singer, you might know a really good producer. Whenever you refer another singing person or another artist to that producer, that producer might give you a 3% cut income. Result-based acquisitions. And that result-based acquisitions is more through your newsletter and your website and your videography or YouTube or whatever's happening. That's how you diversify. Okay? And you can do that all by sitting your ass in a chair in front of a laptop and not really having to leave at all. If you've got it, you can Mm -hmm. get a Rode NT1A and do every, all of that legitimately with a laptop that has... Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so if, if, if you're an artist and you're sort of lost... The, the dialogue on when we started going down, oh, you know, set up bank accounts, you know, because you, you split up your income and then you're probably wondering, well, these guys are fucking dickheads because I'm only starting out and putting stuff on on Spotify and I'm barely making $10 yeah. a quarter. Well, you can still diversify your revenue in more ways than just that. And I mm. think that's a, those are six ways which I think are really good ways to look at it and then you can have income to invest in yourself. Brilliant. I love yeah. that. I mean, we're still fucking dickheads for sure, but like, um, that no, that is really good. That's really yeah. good stuff, Nick. We, I really appreciate you sharing that. No yeah. worries. And, and all those things, it's it's um, some artists will go, oh, but that, that won't make me a lot of money at the start. And you go, yeah, but the point is, is you have to start at some point. So get all your royalties set up. Okay, you've only got one track out at the moment. That's getting you a tiny amount. Yeah, but it's got to be yeah. there when you do release an album or another track or another track and get it done now don't try and retcon all this later on and get all the back payments because chris said sometimes you can get it but the thing why with, would you um, risk it yeah the thing with long term and short term is like the long term always seems far away but then all of a sudden it comes it was yesterday quickly, yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. all of a sudden like you're like hmm like let's uh, let's say, oh, Nick, right? Um, let's say, Nick, like, oh, this is going to happen in one year's time. You're like, okay, that's pretty far away. One year, and then one year happens, you're like, shit, it was only yesterday mm. that you said that. I thought it was only yesterday that you said that to me. Yeah. You know, like, the long term only seems long term in the future, but it's never long term in the past, you know? I don't think I made sense. When I said no, no, honestly, mate, that's, yeah. that's, that's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Every phone call I do, I am starting a relationship here. I am not trying to get this person to master with me right now. That that, that mm. is a that that might be a thing, but in my mind I'm going no. I want a relationship with this person so they master with me, and then they master with me for the rest of their career. Yeah, yeah, and also I'm like, not in I'm not I'm not in the business of getting one master from someone. Yeah, I'm in the business of becoming their person who they go to for a long period of time. And also like just. That's how you got to think about it. And just like networking and talking to people Mm. and investing on other people, that is investing in yourself. Like, you know, that that is like that. I mean, that's time well spent. Yeah. Every time. If if, if you're a musician, you should, and you're you're going to these clubs and you're playing a club circuit, you should know the sound engineer and the doorman and the people behind the bar and the managers all by their first names. You should know everybody. Know who they are. Yeah, you should. You should know. You should. You should be just. You should be the. You should be the one band that comes in. And everyone goes. Oh, it's these guys. It's them. We love you guys. Yeah. yeah. It takes effort. It takes time. But you've got to be that band. And it and it takes nothing to artist. connect with people. I, I think. I think a lot mm. of people. This this is something that is really scary because. Um, I'll be honest. I think everybody has a little bit of anxiety going into social settings that they're not familiar with, and it's something that I've yeah. worked really exceptionally hard on. Um, because I just you just need to. It's 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 yeah. it's a sink or swim sort of situation. Either you go into these social settings where you're at a gig or whatnot, or you're with you're with your clients, or you're in an event or whatever, and either you're going to sink. And you're just going to stick by people that you know, or you're going to swim and you fuck, fucking grow, grow a pair and you, you you shake somebody in the hand, you look at them in the eye. And I have this story where I have so much respect for this kid. Um, I spoke on a panel at SAE in Melbourne and after it, 
this kid, he, 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 I think he, he may have been on the spectrum, um, and I could see how difficult it was for him. Um, but he came up to me and, you know, he was asking for an internship position. And I had, I still have so much respect for that kid today to have done what he did, simply because when I got home, the amount of Instagram DMs I got from students at the school was incredible. And I thought, are oh, you fucking shit. serious? I, you know, there's this kid who's, who's, who's obviously, you know, socially got their it's own bad, issues yeah. and, and difficulties to engage mm. with them. And he's, I could see like in the conversation, it was really awkward. Um, yeah. but he put himself out there and he like really fucking tried to push through and make that conversation happen. And it made me appreciate number one, him. And it also mm. made my walls seem so much smaller than his. Yeah. So now yeah, when I go out him. and I think of seeing somebody or connecting with somebody that I sort of know of or I might not have spoken to in the past, it's so fucking easy because I think this person mm. really fucking struggled to do this. And what, what really pissed me off when I got home is the fact that, you know, there are people, you know, sort of trying to promise me the world and going, oh, you know, I'll do everything for you. It's so great. This, that, the other. We should catch up and trying to fucking get something from yeah. me through the mm. DMs. And I'm like, you were in a room with me. <laughs> you yeah, were there. Yeah, you were there, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. didn't have the fucking balls to just. I would even, yeah, the, the, yeah. even if I was busy speaking to somebody else. The respect I would, I, I still would have loved the respect of somebody just coming past and going, "Thanks for that talk. It was good. I, I want to connect with you. I'll send you an email, and that's it. You know, you don't even have to have a long conversation. But the fact that they just fucking go straight from the DMs is was atrocious and I just want to put that story out there because I think the investment you make in your relationships and when you're in those social scenarios when you go to a gig when you're at an event we're all people we're all just scared of one another to speak to one another but just go fucking yeah, do it because yeah. um yeah. I, I'll be honest if if because uh, I I'm trying to go to more events more often maybe once or twice a month and if somebody if, no. I hate when people fucking DM me <laughs> I just, I'm not going to be slid into your DMs anymore. Yeah. No, it's not that. It's 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 if I'm in, if, if I've been in a room I'm with joking. you, what does it take to fucking shake yeah. you know shake my hand? You know what I mean? Like, God, I'm going to slide but, so hard into your. But that's DMs a really good now, point. Nick, you, 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 made, you made Nick. You said uh, they were trying to offer you something pseudo, but grab from you what they could. Yeah, yeah. Whereas that guy yeah. opened himself to you and just. Gave you something massive. Respect. He gave you his time, his energy, his strength to go up and do that. Yeah. Whereas everyone else was like, "Oh, well, I'll just do the easy bit and hopefully I can get something from Nick." Yeah, and I was so and disappointed so, because yeah. I was in an event a little while after that, and I I connected mm. with a few people. I had a few people come up to me who hadn't met before, and I think they might have seen me get pissed off on my Instagram story about that last event. <laughs> Um, so they all like fucking came up and <laughs> shook my hand and said hello and, and sort of had a bit of a conversation with me. Um, but there were some really big players. There were some really big players at this event, um, including um, one of the A&Rs of the largest um, publisher in Australia and, and a few other big players for some sync companies and whatnot. And I didn't have the balls to, to engage with them. I didn't have the balls in that situation, you know, I, and, oh, and I had yeah, to learn yeah. from that. And I'm like, and I didn't email them. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do what people do to me. I'm just going to count this as a loss. Because I was thinking the next yeah, day, you know, I take should the e L, man. I was, yeah. I was, I was going to go, oh, maybe I should email them and say it was a good chat that they did or presentation they did. But then I thought, you know, I'm just one of those other dickheads who just slide into my DMs. You know what? I'll count this one as a loss. If I'm at an event with them again another time, you know, it's a lesson learned to fucking pull my head in and, and go up and actually do something. But, you know, it's tough. And, you know, if you if you are, you need to invest in those relationships. And that's that's something that's non-fiscal that anybody can do. It's just super, super, super hard. Yeah. Dude, man, really, really appreciate you sharing all that stuff. Yeah, that that stuff really hit home, man. I appreciate yeah. that a lot, man. No worries, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's good stuff. Cool. Um, I think it's about time to wrap it up, guys. Um, there's a, a ton of good stuff in there. Um, we went on some tangents, but I think those tangents were worth going going down. 
Glorious um, tangents. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah. But um, Nick, thank you as always. We will have you on again. <laughs> absolutely. For nice. sure. Um, it's always it's always good stuff, man. And um, and just a reminder for people, um, uh, where can where can people reach you, Nick? Just, just Google. Just Google me. And you're going to have to use my full surname, Chris, because you... you Nicol- can... Nicholas DiLorenzo. Correct. Yeah, You type that in yeah. and mastering at the end or mixing at the end or dickhead at the end, you, you'll find me. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> the... <laughs> I'll make sure Nicholas all the appropriate DiLorenzo links Nicholas mastering dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then and then like this this emoji at the end of it. Like, yeah, the I'm doing. What do you call this? Uh, call I don't this? I don't know what to call it. It, it says it in the, it says it in the gesture. The this is the th- you do this on your Instagram sometimes, like because it's like Italian. Yeah, uh, depends. If if you do it like this, it's like paura. It's like you're scared. But that's that's like what the fuck. That that one's. <laughs> That 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 one's what the fuck in one word. <laughs> oh, that's oh yeah, yeah. I think I've got the image for the podcast now. Uh, just be Chris doing that if, to the camera. That needs that needs to be like. Is there an emoji for this? I don't think there's. We should create an emoji. That would. There needs to be an emoji, dude. If this, if there was an emoji for this, your Instagram would be like full of that. Yeah, that that'd be pretty much. People got image. people need to follow you on Instagram though, man, because your stories are. I like your stories. I'll yeah. make sure all the links are in the are in the uh, podcast notes. No worries, no worries. Yeah, so thanks again, Nick, and um, yeah. you know, and uh, we'll have you on again. And thank you, Chris, as always. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on, guys. Cool. Take care. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Yeah, motherfuckers, that was good.